Welcome to the DNVGL Talks Energy podcast series. Electrification, rise of renewables and new technologies supported by more data and IT systems are transforming the power system. Join us each week as we discuss these changes with guests from around the industry. Welcome to a new episode of DNVGL Talks Energy here from the Global Smart Energy Summit in Dubai. My guest this morning is North Klons, Director Data Science Innovation of Duke Energy, North Carolina, USA. Good morning, North. Good morning. North, we want to talk about the importance of data science and the role of data scientists in business going forward with the increasing importance of data. But uh, before we do that, it would be great if you could explain to the audience uh, what Duke Energy is doing and also, of course, introduce yourself. Well, I'm North Klontz and um, I lead the data science innovation team at Duke Energy and we work within a larger analytics community. Uh, my team works on the advanced analytics use cases, things like the uh, machine learning and image processing and video processing for object recognition, natural language processing and other um, uh, artificial intelligence related fields like that. Yeah, Duke Energy is one of the largest public utilities in the U.S. It's got uh, seven and a half million electric customers and um, one and a half million natural gas customers, uh, 50 gigawatts of generation capacity and uh, 30,000 employees. It's been in business, parts of it over 150 years. Um, electric operations in six states. So um, as far as Duke Energy goes, that's a quick fast facts about Duke Energy. Right. Actually, I found a really interesting quote from you, which I uh, read to the benefit of the audience. You said, uh, between the power plant and the meter box are cataracts of data that the utility of the future must harness and navigate. So how does a data scientist achieve this and what do you do about this in, in Duke? Yeah, we've had a lot of good successes with predictive analytics on the um, standard um, data sets you know, for usage or for um, transmission, distribution, and so on. But in the recent past in the U.S., since 2009, there's been a really large investment in the smart grid, it's called. And so that means a lot of uh, electronic sensors and intelligent devices put out across the transmission and distribution network. Now, for example, um, instead of the, uh, the meters on the houses, which would deliver one meter read per, per month, which means 12 per year, now we're getting 35,000 per year. And so with that type of data, we can do a lot more really useful things for the utility and for the customer. Um, we can have an individual load profile, for example. Um, we could detect whenever there are certain you know, spikes in usage and maybe detect when an appliance is going bad for energy efficient marketing. Um, and then we can also look at the demographics of the premise itself and say, well, if you have a brick single family home that was built in the 1980s and is 2,000 to 3,000 square feet, the normal home would have an electric bill of about $100, but yours is 200, so perhaps your HVAC is, is failing. Um, so with that level of um, visibility into the actual you know, interval usage of the data, we can do a lot more with it with quantitative modeling. And so one of the challenges we've had is to deal with the volume of that data. And so um, when the previous, when we had the previous data sets of 12 meter reads per year, you know, we could do that on a laptop without having a whole lot of difficulty, but to handle 35,000 meter reads per year, and then you look at a million customers, you know, over the course of a year, that's 35 billion. 
-hmm. So um, we had to invest in some new big data platforms and learn some new analytical tools that operate on those big data platforms and also learn new techniques um, for how to deal with that type of data. Yeah, so I mean, this is interesting development, obviously, and I would like to talk a bit about the human factor in all of this. There's different perspectives to this. So we hear a lot about big data. You mentioned uh, artificial intelligence. We hear a lot about machine learning, read, learning about the behavior of users. Uh, what happens to this whole human touch to this, the maybe instinct of people? And uh, th you can actually look at both sides, uh, from the service provider, but also from the, the end user. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, but it's true that those big sets of data, they don't analyze themselves. We have to have, at this point, you know, we can't just ask for you know, the great computer in the sky or something like on Star Trek, you know, computer, Earl Grey, hot. We, uh, we have to actually have skilled um, analytics practitioners to do the work, to do the modeling for it. And that does include an element of judgment and intuition. You know, it's like um, there may not be an aha moment when they put a few things together and get a correlation, but they might say, well, that looks interesting. Maybe I should con continue to investigate that. And it's like Shannon's law of um, you know, theory of information is that the, the surprise is the information. And so whenever you find that type of thing, you know, you have an, intu an intuition or you gain an insight that you didn't expect, and that's when you apply the quantitative rigor and start doing the p-values and the t-tests and the r-squareds and the RMSEs and so on. Um, but yeah, I mean, we still, um, it's a science and it's all, data science is a science and it's also an art because um, the human analyst who's looking at the data has to make some decisions amongst all the variables and to identify the, the occurrences of covariance and eliminate those. And that's a judgment call, which is based on experience as well as intuition. Yeah, so it's interesting also in the sense of, I was thinking about the, what researchers in the past did, uh, <coughs> and they might have uh, received a Nobel Prize for a, a very uh, interesting finding after years of doing this. Uh, what, what would you think, how will that change, and how important will be data scientists, data analysts in that kind of field of research? I think what I try to say, is it more about finding out about the what, or is it also finding out about the, about the why things happen? Yeah, that's, um, yeah, they're both important questions. And that's one of, the, one of the interesting things that we've come up with, come up against as we've been developing artificial neural networks um, for certain different types of uh, phenomena we're trying to identify. And uh, you can develop really accurate models with artificial neural networks, but you can't explain why they're doing it. So if you're making a decision based on the output of a neural network, you have to be very careful in case you ever have to explain or defend that. So that's one of the, one of the odd things about it is because you can't really tell it, you can't really understand why compared to a decision tree or a random forest even. You know, those types of models, you can, you can see quite clearly why it came to the decision that it did. But artificial neural networks, especially the deeper you go, that's just practically, you know, could just be overfitting. Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting. Yes. Uh, you mentioned earlier <coughs> parts of the organization of Duke Energy are about 150 years old. Mm -hmm. Now, if you look about this outlook or what we have today already, but then also how that is going into the future, uh, and that must have changed Duke Energy also in a, in a very interesting way. So what impact does all this data and, and the data analytics have on the industry, for example, for utilities? Well, I think it's really just getting started. Um, we've been 
members of the Utility Analytics Institute, which is focused specifically on analytics applied within um, the utility space, um, not just electric, but also multiple other utilities. And we've gotten a lot of value out of that. And you know, one of the things that we realized was that you know, there's an awful lot of low-hanging fruit. There's a lot of opportunities to apply analytics and data science and predictive models to a lot of the data sets that we've got. Even you know, the, the data we've had for a long time hasn't really been leveraged um, for a lot of the benefits that it could have been. And so that's why Duke Energy has taken the investment to, to establish an actual data science job family and career path and to hire quite a few. We've actually got more than three dozen on staff now. Um, and we've gotten a lot of benefits out of it um, by using you know, classification models and predictive models. We've been able to, um, you know, with machine learning and other approaches, we've been able to identify cases of electricity theft and natural gas theft mm -hmm. by looking at the change in the, um, in the usage patterns. We can identify when people are actually stealing electricity. And the industry tells us that probably at least 1% of the electricity that's generated and delivered is actually not paid for because it's stolen. And so for us, for Duke Energy, that's more than a $200 million um, bogey. So we're trying to get some of that back, and we've been very successful at it. And then similarly, um, you know, we have a lot of our um, operations are on the East Coast, North Carolina and South Carolina and Florida. And in the last few years, they've been hit by several hurricanes and tropical storms. And um, some of the members of my team developed a machine learning approach using all the historical hurricane data that we had and a bunch of other data about um, the weather and the um, operation center and the distribution lines and so on and so forth and the outage experience in the previous hurricanes. And they developed um, a model to predict the effect of a likely hurricane on the customers and on the operation centers. And it turned out to be so much more accurate than the, the current application that was in place that was bought from a third party vendor that the third party vendor's application was retired. Mm -hmm. And so now we're using the, the one that um, some of my teammates um, developed and they're um, using that on a go-forward basis and adding a lot of enhancements to it. Right. That's a good story. Yeah. It's already saved, well, millions and millions of dollars. I don't know the exact figure, but it's been a huge um, cost savings success story. So based on, on what you just described, the power of data for the decision making, but also to save a lot of money, um, if you look at the industry in general, maybe not only at Duke Energy, what would you foresee? How does uh, the role of the data scientist, the importance in a corporation evolve in the future? Yeah, that's a good question, Matthias. I think that uh, the role of the data scientist will be larger and also be lower. So it's going to be larger, as the, especially as the dollar um, benefits from it become so much more obvious, both on the cost-saving side and on the top-line revenue side. And we're also seeing a lot of opportunities in improving safety and customer satisfaction and other operational efficiencies. So I think because of that, I mean, that's the reason why we've had such um, strong growth in the number of data scientists at Duke Energy. We had the first one hired in uh, May of 2015, and now we have 36 at the last count. But I also think it'll be lower because right now they're, they're highly skilled specialists. Um, and so it takes someone who can do coding in R or model development in Spark on the big data platform to get some really um, productive results out of it. But I think in the future, in not too far future, there'll be IDEs and, um, and even you know, vocal commands with natural language processing so that the folks who might now be doing a role 
with a job description of business analysts, they'll be able to be the citizen data scientists. And I think it'll be a lot more accessible to get those uh, data science-based insights out of the data that we have with some of the new tools that are likely to come down the pike. Mm -hmm. So, uh, unfortunately, slowly we are coming to an end of this episode already, but I have two questions uh, which are a bit related. I would uh, really like to know what you think are like the hot developments for the energy market in, in general at the moment uh, on the data science front. Maybe start with that first and later we can maybe uh, you know talk a bit about this region and how it applies there. So what would you think? What is really the hot topics now? Well, I think there's still a lot of momentum picking up with applying data science inside the utility space. Um, we talked to a lot of other utilities and they're you know trying to do some of the same, same things that we're doing with some of the same topics. Um, there's a lot of opportunity to, to do asset management, you know, failure prediction and condition-based maintenance. There's tons of money that can be saved so that you don't have some catastrophic failure of equipment and you're only doing a calendar-based inspection and maintenance routine. If you can actually have a smart device on it with a lot of the smart grid devices we put out there, you know, we can look at the usage rates and the temperature and the vibrations and so on potentially and identify the failures before they happen. So actually applying data science across all the different opportunity areas inside the utility is, is big. Um, it's a really big opportunity. And then separately in technology, um, a lot of the utilities since 2009 have put out the um, smart grid devices and those stream data back in real time sometimes. If you look at the power quality meters, they can have, some of the advanced ones have 256 samples per cycle and 60 cycles per second. So in a minute you've got a million samples potentially. Um, and so what that means is the old-fashioned way of having a, a relational database management system or a data warehouse, those don't work with that kind of data. So we're looking at things like, uh, of course we put in a big data platform based on Hadoop and we're having to go up the learning curve with that. But even that can't handle that type of data. If, even though we could load that type of data onto it, just the backhaul telecoms cost would be prohibitive. So we're starting to investigate doing the analytics out at the edge. Mm -hmm. And we're going to have to get better and better at that because more and more devices have, you know, IoT, Internet of Things type sensors and monitors on them. Yeah. So um, coming back to, to uh, what I said earlier, I mean, we are here on the Global Smart Energy Summit in, in Dubai. And uh, what we discussed, of course, very interesting, but looking now specifically here in the region, is there anything um, well, number one, what do you think, how this will develop here, and what is your anticipated learning you want to take back from this conference? Yeah, I haven't been around the conference yet, so I can't, can't say, but I'm really impressed by how large it is, and I'm looking to see w what are some of the analytics and data science use cases that have been applied out here, and if they are or are not, I'd be interested in finding that out. Um, and then separately, I think the opportunities for um, applying renewables, implementing renewables infrastructure here um, compared to the way we've tried to do it in the, in the U.S. would be very interesting to find out as well. Right. Thank you very much, Norv, for this interesting conversation and your insights into data science. Um, and thank you very much to the listeners. That was Norv Klons, Director, Data Science Innovation here on the Global Smart Energy Summit in Dubai. Thank you for listening to this DNVGL Talks Energy podcast. To hear more podcasts in the series, please visit dnvgl.com slash talksenergy.